Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Free kick. Williams will take the right side at the right side of free kick. It's about halfway inside the, the Everton halves. Everyone's gone forward. Everton have got everyone back. It's floated into the mix. Ball bounces down. Welcome, welcome, welcome one and all, welcome to Achtung Millwall, my name is of course Nick Hart, welcome to a rather grey and rainy Griffin Park in Brentford for the visit of the Lions today in this championship fixture, traditional old Griffin Park dear listeners, 1200 Millwall fans apparently in the house today. I am on the, uh, the away terracing as we await the entrance of the two teams. Brentford, of course, in the process of building a new stadium, so this is what, the last time that the Lions will visit this um, traditional, shall we, what kind of words we use to describe it? Characterful, traditional, crappy grounds. It's going to be demolished. New stadium being built down near Kew Bridge. Brentford today, bizarrely, playing in blue shirts and white shorts. The Lions, therefore, being in a away kit, yellow and black. I think that's some kind of tribute to Brentford's first colours. 130 years of Brentford Football Club seems to be the, um, the theme of the day. The Lions in yellow and black today, dear listeners. Not exactly a happy hunting ground for us, in recent years at least. It's a ground where we were a struggle last couple of times we've been here. We got beat 1-0 in 2017-18 season, 2-0 in the 18-19 season. So it's never exactly fruitful. Lions come into today's game in 15th position after that fine win over Leeds United a couple of weeks ago now. We had the international break. Brent Mill 15th on 14 points. Brentford in 17th on 12 points. So not much separation of two sides as the game uh, kicks off. 
moves today. Obviously, still under the caretaker management of Adam Barrett, who did very well, I thought, versus Leeds. This will be a big um, platform for him to advertise his wares, as the decision we hope or think will be made this week is between allegedly Barrett and probably Gary Rowett, the Sky Sports pundit, manager of Birmingham and Birmingham in the past. Seems to be the um, the pundit's choice, Gary Rowett. It doesn't do much for me. I don't know about you, dear listeners. Neither does Gareth Ainsworth, who apparently is uh, no longer in the running. He's since Wickham went for a, a takeover bid recently. Team today, this is Bielkowski's in goal, Jake Cooper, Sean Lashus in the centre, Marlon Murray on the right, Murray Wallace on the left, in the middle is uh, Malumbi, Williams, Ben Thompson, Jed Wallace, and the excellent Tom Bradshaw up front, oh, and Ferguson on the left, don't forget Ferguson. strange watching a team playing a dark blue shirt white shorts playing against us it's um, generally the other way around isn't it three minutes Brentford moved down the right another ball into the mill box headed away by Murray Wallace that time ball on the edge of the mill penalty a little ball into the middle that's a great save from close range by Bialkowski they work some space down the middle little ball into, into, uh, into the six yard box and fired at close range at Bialkowski managed to get his body in the way a great save there Goal scoring saved by Barbelkowski on three minutes. Now it's the Lions' turn to break. Ben Thompson coming down the left, far, far away from where I'm standing. Ball across from Jed Wallace. Ball bouncing around. Some melee in the, in the uh, back round the box, and that's Hoof clear. Early chance for both sides, the listeners. Couldn't tell you much about that break up, the fact there was a melee. No stadium clock in here today, dear listeners, so I'm working from the old Casio Bazell. Five minutes in, it's been an open start by both sides. Two, well, one clear-cut chance for Brentford and a close-range chance for Mill down at the other end, so it's all go. Brilliant sunshine there, rainbow off in the distance beyond the tower blocks at the far end. Malumbi caught the ball, allows Brentford to break forwards. That's a great tackle. Great tackle by Sean Hutchinson. Ball holds through. That's a Oh, is it the post? Is it the post? Ball broke for the six, or hit the post from close range. Lions dodge a bullet on 11 minutes, dear listeners. Wow. More possession, 13 minutes for Brentford. Across the middle of our half, they're passing the ball back and forwards. Lions looking to absorb it. We've dodged the bullet twice already in the opening period of the game. I think we'll just need to um, raise the tempo of our game. They're knocking it at the ball about our will. Looking to play their football. It's a, a curiously inoffensive ground, Griffin Park. It's it's almost so nice that you hate it slightly, you know. It's um, two side stands with pillars. Braymar one, one side, I can't remember the name of the other side. But everyone is relentlessly pleasant. It's almost like Village of the Damned in their terms of pleasantness. pub on each corner, everyone's welcome. It's, it's like coming to a kind of Californian uh, hippie commune where they start singing the Pepsi Cola song. Here they come down the left, ball into the middle. That's last ditch uh, recovery there from, from Sean Hutchinson. We'll do bring the ball out. There is a stadium clock far, far away under the, the flood. I've just spotted it, 22 minutes. In comes said corner. 
this uh, yellow card for the for the nine. What's he given? Penalty? Penalty been given. I can't tell you what for. Penalty's been given, Dennis Liz. What was that for? I don't know what it was for, genuinely. Penalty awarded Brentford. Pushing retaliation, gentlemen, thanks to be saying. Genuinely, I, I didn't see the incident. There we go. So, 25 minutes of what has been um, an entertaining game so far, to say the least. Not from the middle perspective. We're going to penalty celebrate like it was a goal. It was a free kick from inside half. Hasselton's gone forward. Offside. 1-2, in some space to Brentford. That's a shot. Another brilliant save by Bill Cosby. Shot from the right side. 1-2 on the edge of the penalty, a shot on target, Bill Cosby bats away. 30 minutes, going to be that corner now on the, on the left as we look. Lions really, really riding our luck in the first half. How long can we ride our luck? Like this. And it comes. Headed up and over. No danger, 31 minutes. This is Brentford again coming forwards, 30, 38 minutes, ball out wide left. Cross back into the middle, that's... Melee, 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 and cleared by, by Hutchinson in front of goal. They've still got possession, edge of the penalty, and a shot over the bar. Wow. Well, a story and a half, dear listeners, so far. 38 minutes, coming towards 39 is um, the Lions dodging bullet upon bullet upon bullet. Jesus! <laughs> poor, poor bloke, he looks like Jesus. He's meant. He's mentioned every year there's a bloke that sits in the, uh, to the left of the away end in the Brentford seats. Who has long hair, hence looks like Jesus. He's just, just left his woman. Little um, dribble down the middle of there, but Brentford do have the ball near to the penalty while I worry about Jesus. We're still under some, some pressure here. Here's the 10 on the right side of the uh, middle penalty as they attack. gets the ball in, looks like a dangerous player, Jensen, George Jensen, meet the Jetsons. Dalton Weaves, he gets a no power on the shot, runs through to bar and goal. 43 minutes. Chip falls from the free kick for Sean Williams, over to the right, this is now Jed on the right flank, and his cross is weak, falls to the edge of the penalty, pass. Yeah. 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 
out for the second half, dear listeners. In brilliant sunshine for the second half. Lions leading by the, uh, I was trying to think of most examples of most undeserved leads. And I can't think of any off the top of my head. But that was a very, very undeserved lead. Game has kicked off. I gathered a shot for the goal, came from Malumbi, from my sources, online sources. I can't, can't tell you anymore. I don't like that song. It's a round of applause for a Brentford fan who passed away recently. Applause from both ends, nice to see. There come Brentford, down the right, right flank, cut out the last, and hoof clear by the middle defence. This is Brentford pressing forwards, the ball out wide, wide right, they do collect it. They will feel aggrieved beyond belief to be behind after those three clear-cut chances to score that they've They'll claim from the first half. All bouncing around in front of Barbiel Tovsky. They've got the ball in the net. Question of offside here. Ball bouncing around in front of Barbiel Tovsky. Referee's gone over to consult his linesman. Offside. Disallowed. This will be a moment of time, frozen in time now. The ball seems to be in front of Barbiel Tovsky. Headed in from close range, but offside is given. 15 minutes since kickoff, the ball has barely come down this end to where we are. It's all been played in the middle half again. The story of the first half, and so far, five minutes, the story of the second half. Strong smell of exotic aromas around me, dear listeners. Moroccan, I believe. 52 minutes. by Ben Thompson coming down the, the left side can he get the ball in he can't beat the three it's gone for a corner first middle corner of the second half in front of the home fans 53 minutes nice work by Ben Thompson almost worked the ball into the middle there with Jed Wallace lurking it's going to be Sean Williams who takes 53 minutes floats it into the Hutchison goes down Hutchison goes down, yellow card for the 11, 
penalty. Well, he's nothing if not consistent. I didn't see that incident, I must be honest. I think he's given that because he gave the one in the first half, dear listeners. But anyway, we'll take it. 54 minutes, just waiting for Jed to line up and take it. Here we go. Taken penalty, dear listeners. Bottom right hand corner this time around. Brentford will feel very, very frustrated to be two down in a game where they had three clear cut chances in the first half to score, and opportunities are plenty across the first and part of the second half. I think that's leading them into you know, looking increasingly ragged challenge-wise and, and passing-wise. Nice turn by Bradshaw. Can he get the space? Goalkeeper's out like a, a rocket as he took and turned in one move there. Really, really beautiful take and turn by Bradshaw. Just uh, rolled away from it by a, a, a yard or so. It's like a long and substitution. Sixteen for... So John Daddy's coming in from Alumbi. 73 minutes. Brentford pressing falls to 16 on the right side. There's another fantastic save by, by, by Bielkowski. They've still got possession edge of the penalty here. Millwall will clear. That was a break down the left by the 16. Um, great shot, great save. Even better save than Bart. That's um, 80, 83 minutes on the clock, I believe. John Daddy now coming down the right side. He keeps possession, balls into the box. Ferguson, Mill Ezra Pelcher. This is a Chance for Ben Thompson to shoot, taken by the goalkeeper. <coughs> shot from the edge of the penalty, it's gone in the net, 2-1. Casual from Millwall. Sp space being given to the uh, forward there. Straightforward shot. Just outside the edge of the dealer, like into the bottom left-hand corner. That's 2-1. Nearly last three minutes now for the Lions. Marlon coming down the right, he finds Bradshaw, does brilliantly well to keep the ball in play. Dispossessed by the 23. Giving Brentford the chance to bring out. Another shot from distance. Two each, fucking hell. Fucking hell. Shot from, from distance, loops into the top left-hand corner. It's two each. Eighty-seven minutes. Mill on the on the uh, the left. Trying to work it inside for Jed. Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper goes down. A bit of fisticuffs out there. A little bit of a bundle. Glenn Thompson's in there. Everyone's in there now. The goalkeeper was challenged. Well, Jed, he's got a yellow card for it. There's a lot of pushing and shoving going on over there. It's all going off over there, dear listeners. The bundle is over. Goalkeeper claiming to have been probably more hurt than he was by that challenge. Brentford spreading the play out late, late, late. The ball in from the right, left side there, bouncing around. 
Rachel, fucking hell. Fucking hell. Bouncing around on the right side into the... Oh, fucking hell. Now the Lions have got themselves into this position. It's beyond me, dear listeners. There it goes. Full time. Brentford 3, Millwall 2. Uh, Millwall let a two-goal lead slip in the last ten minutes. Sloppy defending. Um, story again. Really sloppy defending through the whole match. Trying to find the words. Um, Millwall man in the match must be Bill Kofsky. I haven't seen enough of the goals to tell you how much at fault he was. The equalising goal looked like a world-class shot from the, the outside penalty area. Um, but sloppy defending has allowed Brentford back into the game. So I think I'm going to leave it there because I don't have much more I can say to you right now, dear listeners. Big welcome to an old voice, Charlie Mahoney. Welcome back, Charlie. Hello, mate. How you doing? You all right? Fucking awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a miserable day out. We were just saying off air, listeners, um, neither of us really ever enjoyed going to Brentford. I've always hated it. Do you you derived any pleasure from trips to Griffin Park, Charlie? Any time I've been, we've we've not really got a result over there. Um, you were saying, you know, it, it's got this reputation because it's an old school ground, but from our perspective, it's just a fucking awful place to go. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't. I know it's got supposed to have character, and they're moving this season. Of course, we said that in the live piece earlier on. They're moving, and they're moving to a new stadium at Kew Bridge. So. I'm really glad that we don't have to go to Griffin Park anymore. I've, I've, I've never enjoyed my trips over there yesterday, uh, over there uh, traditionally. Um, yesterday was a real Millwall performance, and I don't mean that kindly. I thought we, were, I thought we were just poor through the whole game, really, Charlie. I mean, I know we've got ourselves two 0 ahead, but it's totally undeserved in my opinion. I'm, I'm amazed that we was two 0 up. To be honest, the, the first goal sort of come out of nothing, a real sort of like poachers finish from Bradshaw. But yeah, um, yeah I was in disbelief at half time. And then to like add to that and be 2 0 up was, was bordering on absurd, really, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the first half, um, they from memory, I'm, I've got no notes in front of me, I'm just doing this straight. So I couldn't bring myself to do any notes for it, listeners. <laughs> um, but they hit the post inside 10 minutes, I think they, they, they'd hit the post. Um, I think um, I think they'd had a kind of a scrambled chance in front of goal, which Bar- uh, Bilkowski made a great save for before that. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And of course, the penalty miss, which, um, you know, you start to think it's going to be our day. But they, they had, they had a numerous, uh, numerous opportunities in that first half to go at least two or three goals ahead. And I had quite how we, they, we, we weren't, they weren't, didn't do that. I don't know. They. I mean, I remember a few years ago, and whatever you think of Holloway, um, and even the statement at the time, he mentioned something about you know Brentford are where we want to be in a few seasons, and it, it was a ridiculous statement at the time. But watching Brentford play, um, I've got the sense that this is where we we should be in terms of you know the footballing sort of direction, because I think. What we've seen in the last couple of years is that this negativity that we have just doesn't work. And although Brentford are not like pulling up any trees in terms of their league position and the goals they've scored, they've just got this this ability to kind of get at teams and open them up. And I was almost envious watching it, if that makes sense. And I think that's the kind of direction we need to be taking. Yeah, I mean they stretched the play. I mean <clears throat> they were unlucky to be behind at half time, let's let's be honest. Um it was a decent goal scoring finish from from Bradshaw to finish the half off. But how we had got to half time at nil nil was you know, luck was was um certainly on our side. They would have classed themselves very unfortunate to have gone two 0 behind with the penalty, which I think was um the referee was just looking for uh, infringements in the box, you know, people holding each other and he gave one to them in the first half and I think he felt slightly obliged to give us one in the second half, though he didn't give us much else. But you're right. Um the style of play, the possession combined with movement, I, I, I thought was they're not pulling up trees, as you say, Charlie, but you know that that it's kind of what I would I would hope Millwall could do, but we don't seem to do it. We seem to we seem to play every game like we're in the third round of the FA Cup up against the bigger club. It's it's a kind of a cup tie uh, mentality that will get found out in the league over a course of forty six games. It it really just does my head in, to be honest, and without sort of like um preempting the discussion in terms of the manager, my my concern is that if Barrett 
were to take the helm, would it just be a continuation of what we were doing under Harris? Yeah, I, I, well, I, th <clears throat> I think the answer to that question is is yes, it probably would. I mean, I you know, I, I did the little TV clip for Sky on, on Friday night saying, let's give Adam a go. Um, got told off for it by one or two online, um, possibly justifiably, in, in all honesty, because... You know, it, it is it is Neil Harris's football, and I think probably what we saw yesterday. Don't know if you agree, Charlie, but was the limitations of Neil Harris's football. And Brentford are no better off than us in terms of um, I don't know what kind of financial backing they got, but they're at this, you know, as a club, they are probably on a par size wise with us. They're moving to a stadium that's going to be on the same kind of size capacity as we we bring to bear, and yet they looked a different class of footballing side they should have players <clears throat> easier on the ball able to pass and crucially move into space at speed and we don't seem to do that we don't seem to do it enough it's a footballing philosophy problem for me it is definitely there just needs to be a new mindset and I think you know what what we saw was um, up until about the 70th minute uh, Brentford's finishing looks really quite abject mm. uh, but just the sheer amount of chances they created on average, meant that they were always giving themselves like a, a good sort of chance of, let alone drawing the game, winning the game, really. So it was that persistence and that attacking mindset. And, you know, they were, they had us under siege in the last 20 minutes. That's what sort of won them the game. And I don't feel we ever really do that to teams ourselves. No, we don't. We don't We don't maintain pressure. Um, and we don't, you know, the, in the end, the Millwall nut cracked because they kept the ball, they kept at us. They didn't give up, to their credit. They didn't give up. No heads dropped and they kept out their game plan. I'm just reading Adam Barrett's post-match comments here. That he, he couldn't believe it. Neither could we, Adam. We couldn't believe it either. Um, at 2-0, the game we were comfortable. I, <clears throat> I don't think we were comfortable, Charlie. I, I, I mean, this, if I was on the interview panel for Adam Barrett, like, that would raise um, ring a few alarm bells because I didn't think we looked comfortable ever in the whole game. We always looked like we were clinging on. Um, but for Adam, thought we were comfortable, um, and he then says that uh, Brentford had almost run out of ideas. They were certainly looking a little ragged, but their ideas paid off because they, <laughs> they they kept moving the ball backwards and forwards, finding the space and stretching us where where they could hurt us. So I don't know that that's a that's that's going to be in his favour in the interview panel. I think yeah, I think it's deeply concerning when someone who, who, who you know isn't under pressure as a manager is still trying to sugarcoat things, really. Um, but, yeah, as you say, I don't think we was ever comfortable. I can't think of anything particularly impressive that we did in open play yesterday because when you no. think no. the uh, the the opening goal came from, you know, a, a kind of half-chance, Bradshaw's commitment, and then even the penalties come from a set-piece opportunity... So I really can't think of a, a major passage in play that was that impressive in terms of just being on the ball. Like everything, everything just sort of fell for us yesterday. I, I don't think we actually created much. Um, can't think of too many chances, and even those chances came from corners and free kicks to, to suggest that we were comfortable at point yesterday. is ridiculous, I think. I think so. I mean, we had a win served up to us on a silver plate with bows attached and we still managed to spill it all over the floor. So, you know, I can't, it, it didn't look comfortable in real time. I, I thought we were, 
we were winning against the odds, which is is, is always pleasurable when you're when you're in that position. But if you approach it in an honest mindset, you've got to say that um, we didn't really do hadn't done enough to deserve the win, but we, we certainly would have taken it. I mean, he, he identifies the first goal, <clears throat> which was um, kind of a half-hearted shot. It struck I me mean, a long way away. I'd probably the same as yourself, looking at it from a very low angle. But it seemed to be like a half, um, not particularly powerful shot, but crept in on on the far post, and that yeah. That gave him the um, the the impetus, as he describes it, to the momentum to get get moving again, and we really did just concede. We just folded. I think that's the most concerning part about that yesterday. There's no no leadership drive in the team. There's nobody that bangs heads together, gets on the on the field, takes takes ownership of the situation, and says, "All right, we've gone two one down. We're not going to fucking give this one up now." That's that's everyone's everyone goes into maximum overdrive kind of mode. And I didn't see. I don't know who that person is in that team. I don't see that person in the in the in the entire squad, to be honest, which concerns me. Well, that's got to be the case, hasn't it? Because this has just happened on too many occasions now in the last couple of seasons. I, I sort of like to think of people like Sean Hutchinson and Murray Wallace and all that as as leaders or, or, or characters within the team, but clearly. You know the evidence is to the contrary, isn't it? Yeah, well, we saw what we saw. I mean, there's an interesting post this morning. Um, just looking at it now, Jake Sanders, the, the journalist with um, uh, the, the Suffolk News, I think he's with. Um, Millwall have dropped 32 points from winning positions since the opening day of last season versus Middlesbrough. Uh, 20 of those points conceded in the 80th minute or later. So it's you know a team at our level with our resources limited, of course, by the side of many other clubs in that league, you just can't do that. You can't you can't expect to give up points so late in a game and expect there to be anything close to success. It's just not going to happen. Shocking statistic, it, I thought. It, it is shocking. And, and as you mentioned earlier, we've got that kind of uh, FA Cup kind of approach to games and it's just not sustainable if you're going to stay in a league. Might have worked for the last couple of seasons, but I think if... If we do carry on like this, I, I really do think it could be curtains for us this season. I, I worry. I mean, after, <clears throat> after yesterday, I must admit, I worry because it, to, to to surrender so so cheaply um, is is concerning. A couple of, a couple of other replies on to that post. Um, a guy called Stan says it comes down to what he calls our outdated style of play. We need to keep the ball for long period, longer periods, uh, spending seventy percent of the time. Chasing the ball will take its toll. Uh, well, possession obviously give, gives a chance to um, to regroup and, and knock the opposition out. That's what Brentford did to us yesterday, Charlie. They, 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 they. I don't know what the possession statistics are for yesterday, but they seem to have the ball a lot more than we did. And as we've said a few times over the course of a season, you'll get odd results like Leeds, like a, a couple of the other wins we've had so far. But you'll get found out with that that level of um, possession with the opposition. No one can expect a win from there. I do think the ball retention needs to improve. I think there is a slight problem in the sense that without like sort of digging anyone out, our fans do get a bit restless and impatient when we just play a possession game. And uh, that doesn't help. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but there is a kind of expectation to play with tempo and a, and a certain directness at Millwall. And as well as that, I'm not one of these people who thinks possession is the be-all and end-all in football. But it, does give you a fighting chance of, of creating things and winning games. So 
that aspect's us to improve, I think. We need to focus on keeping the ball a bit more than we have done. I mean, I, I hope the new manager, whoever that will be, um, will come on to that in a moment um, as to who that might be. <clears throat> but I hope the new manager can mix it up a little bit. Because I, I don't think it has to be one thing or the other. I mean, again, without blowing smoke up Brentford's bums, um, they, they mixed it up, didn't they? they? They kept the ball. When they needed to move it fast, they did. And they seemed to pick their moment to, you know, work the chance. Something we, we just don't do. We, we, we always seem rather um, one-dimensional, predictable. And I think that's something that has to change because I can't, I just can't see it. Um, I can't see it, you know, succeeding at the at the den for. Over the, you're right. I think this season's going to come down to a relegation battle if if we carry on as we are. It's concerning because obviously the the main question is what we do with the new manager. Do we bring someone in who's who's going to you know make us functional and, and find a way and do what we have to do in games? Or do we bring someone in who's going to change the mindset and the philosophy at the club? But is, is that like a huge risk to take in a season where survival might be, you know, the key the key element? I'm, yeah, I'm really not sure what's going to happen. Again, survival again will be our, our priority. That's it's always the same story, I know. Um, just a couple of other posts here. AWOL27 says, when you chase the ball for 80 minutes... It's hardly surprising that last in the last ten minutes we tire out and have concentration lapses. Um, fitness, I wonder whether fitness comes into this, Charlie, as well. I mean, Brentford looked a very fit side to me yesterday. They their, their speed late in the game was um, was punishing on us, and I, I think we there may be issues on that front. I don't know. Um, ball retention and game management, Awol mentions being as being appalling, and I, I agree. Um, manager says Matt Webber, new manager that. These ghouls, as in as in horror story, ghouls need fucking ex- exorcising, as in the movie. Um, new new philosophy from the, from the top downwards, I suppose, is, is what he's driving out there. Um, I can't argue with that, really, because I think we've reached the limits of Neil Harris's style now. I mean, yesterday was probably the last um, last hurrah for Neil Harris football, and something has to change. I mean, the the, the criticism of uh, of um, Gary Rowett, who seems to be the 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 kind of um, number one candidate, and I, I don't know that much about him to be to be honest. But the criticism seems to be that he plays negative, boring, sideways football. Um, if we'd have done a little bit of that yesterday when we're two new up, we'd have been talking about three points well won, wouldn't we? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know as much about Rowett as I probably should, um, but. It, I mean, he, he seems to be like the kind of fan's choice. I, I don't necessarily see it as defensive and negative what he plays. I think he, he, he has that idea that ball retention is is hugely important. And if you're you're in possession, you can't be punished yourself. Yeah. Um, I I think I would probably go with him. I know just on the basis that he's got, if not pedigree at this level, certainly um, quite a lot of experience. Yeah, I mean, the other uh, chap mentioned seriously, I suppose, was Gareth Ainsworth. Is it Gareth Ainsworth? Ainsworth. I'll just call him Ainsworth. Uh, Wickham, he seems to have moved out of the frame a little bit with um, a takeover bid that's gone on at Wickham. He seems to want to stick around and, and, um, you know, he's he's doing okay with them this season. Um, He doesn't exactly get me excited. I mean, Rowett doesn't really get me excited, but Ainsworth doesn't make me want to cross the road particularly. and obviously, the dear old Adam Barrow, I had the um, pleasure of meeting. He's a very nice bloke. I met him after the Leeds game. 
did the little brief interview in the last show. Very nice bloke. I just wonder whether he's the player's friend and Mr. Nice Guy. Um, when actually we need, probably need some pretty hard conversations going on in the, in the in the club and in the squad, and maybe that might might count against him, Charlie. I think so. I think we're unfortunate in the in the sense that there there seems to be a kind of dearth of candidates available. Uh, a lot of people were were mentioning Chris Shooton, but it doesn't appear that he probably has any interest in the job. Um, Sadly not. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a great appointment, but uh, and it's a bit sort of academic to say it now. But I think it's a shame that we missed the Cowley brothers by a few weeks as well. Like they went to Huddersfield, and I think they've certainly been the the sort of management we should have been looking at if, if you know, it had aligned properly and we could have appointed them. Um, Obviously, because we didn't sack Harris and he walked out of his own on his own volition. It gave it made things a bit difficult for the club in terms of looking for the successor, um, but yeah, it just seems unfortunate that there's not many people to choose from out there at the moment. No, and I think we do need someone to take control of the squad. Um, and there's an interesting, um, I don't know how accurate the, the the wage figures. I won't mention the wage figures of the squad because I don't think that's fair on the individuals. And I actually don't begrudge footballers earning what they're what they're due from the market that they're in. So, but the the sequence of high earners at the club seems to be Jerry Scalak as number one high earner, um, followed by Alex Pierce and then then John Daddy, and Connor Mahoney, and then in fifth place uh, Bartos Bielkowski. Um, it's interesting that if these you know if this league table, which I understand is the the, the, the sequence of high earners, is is more accurate than the, some of the figures that we've seen on on this website. But um, if Jerry Skadak is the high earner at the club, um, there's some, something amiss when your highest earning player has barely featured in the, in since signing, for albeit for injury. Alex Pierce as number two is done, is nobody's choice to to, to start. Um, John Daddy number three is coming on as a substitute occasionally. Hasn't started to my or if he started, it's not very often. And Conor Mahoney seems to have fallen out of favour. It's only Bielkowski in number five, who's actually a first-choice starting player. And so your first four top earners at the club are not re- a bit part players rather than, you know, opening, opening um, first 11 first choices. It's, it's a most odd situation to have got into. Yeah, I, I looked at that league table and it was a bit of a concern for me. Um, there's always going to be disparity between players wages, of course, even at yeah, the very yeah. top clubs it happens but it doesn't make for good reading in terms of the recruitment that we made in the summer actually I mean it was only up until a couple of weeks ago that Biakowski the jury was out on Biakowski as well to be fair because you had the incidents against uh, Hull at home and QPR where people were really kind of worried about his goalkeeping ability um, yeah, Mahoney I- I was very excited about the signing of Mahoney. I, I, I always kind of saw him as a decent championship player, certainly last year for Birmingham. Um, and that just hasn't materialised, although I think there were issues there in terms of how he was being used by Harris. Um, I don't mind Bodlass in what I've seen of him. I no, I, I agree. I think he'd be a decent player for us. Yeah. Um, and Alex Pierce has been... A bit of it. That's been a bit of a shame, really, because when he came in, he seemed to have a, a decent impact at the end of last year. Um, but now it looks as if the Hutchinson and, and Cooper partnership has kind of uh, solidified itself again. Um, so yeah, it, it 
brings all sorts of questions up really and it, it does maybe the main one is is, is about uh, the quality of uh, recruitment recruitment and i mean as i said the, the the numbers the wage numbers i don't think they're accurate um and i, I, I don't think it's appropriate to, to to dwell on that side of it but um when you look at if you look at the league tables to who are the who are at the top of the club earning league table names we've already mentioned and then in the mid the mid to lower range you've got the likes of marlon um, bradshaw uh, ben thompson it it can't be good for squad unanimity to to see that or to know that and 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 to try and work within that framework um i do think you're right recruitment hasn't been brilliant um Possibly the management hasn't been brilliant as well, Charlie, because um, when you look at those top names, these are all decent players, Skalak, Pierce, Badvars and Mahoney. Um, you know, these these are not, these are players that are championship players, but I do think that the, a new voice and a new approach might well be the, um, you know, so you've got a bit of making or the breaking with some of those players. Let's hope it's the making of them. Yeah, and Nick, I, I sort of, just, just to reiterate that point I made earlier, this is the... Uh, huge issue that faces us now. Does the new manager come in and change things and, and shake things up or do they do what's functional and just just do what we need to do to survive? That it, It's a real kind of crossroads for us as a football club at the moment, I think. It is. Um, we've got the obviously the good news of the, uh, the development being now part, you know, Mill can now build a future at, at the stadium as part of the wider redevelopment. So it's, it, it is a crossroads, you're right. And it poses a question to the ownership, John Berylson. Um, who knows what this link up with Husky Chocolate, the uh, the, the, uh, the the Swedish, um, you know, money men. We don't know what, what where that might go. Whether it's going to be more of a Husky future than a John Berylson future, we don't we don't really know that. But there's a lot of questions um, that that are posed, and I don't think the answer to any of them is falling back into League One. So. Um, it's a big moment. We'll see where we we'll see the week ahead. We'll probably um, show where the where, where the current ownership sees us going, or whether we you know whether standing still is 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 the um, is, is the best that we can hope for. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think I read something that Berylson flew into the country on Thursday or Friday to kind of finalise the interview process, which seemed a bit odd to me because it suggested that they were going to make a decision irrespective of the Brentford result, but. Um, Let's be honest, it's been a while since Sarius resigned now, so I do think they need to resolve this. Hopefully, we'll get an announcement in the next couple of days because we we have too much uncertainty at the moment and we're actually in a fairly comfortable position in the league in terms of, you know, we're not... No, we're not desperate. We're not in it yet. No. Yeah, yeah. So the, the quicker we can kind of capitalise on that, I think the better we'll be. But obviously, the appointment itself is going to have a huge say in that. Game on Tuesday night against Cardiff, so let's hope there's a, a little bit more certainty about the place, um, if not by Cardiff, but certainly by next uh, Saturday, which is Stoke City. So still six points to be had out the week yet. So Fingers crossed, Charlie. Thank yep. you. Thank you, mate. That's brilliant. Thanks for breaking your Sunday morning for me. Much appreciated. No problem, mate. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Achtung, Mehlball.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.